Let's open our Bibles in 1 Peter chapters 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, as what I've said, we will be looking on the title and the topic, The Last Days, and specifically entitled this, Living in the Last Days. 1 Peter, if you were there, chapter 4, verse, beginning from verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, if you look, trying to look the context and even the passage that we have read, Peter reminds us that uh, from the Word of God, a timeless truth. And what it is, it is that one day, Jesus will come again. And that we will stand in front of the judge. Now, the first time that he went here, he came here as a child, right? To be born God in the flesh, to save us from our sins. And let me remind you that time will come that Jesus will come again. And the Bible says that he will not come as a child, but he will come as a judge. He will judge us according to the works that we have done in his name. Now, I'm not, say, I'm not just saying about believers, but also someday unbelievers will stand in, the, in front of God, in front of Jesus Christ. Now, the believers, as we all know, we will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Believer, uh, unbelievers, however, will be stand at the great white throne judgment. So all of us, we cannot escape the judgment Hebrews says, For it is appointed unto man once to die, and after is this, the judgment. So it is a timeless truth that Peter tries to remind us that Jesus will come again. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ will occur, the Bible says, at any moment, at any time. Now we will try to compare it to an, uh, scriptures to other scriptures. Now we will go to James chapter 5. James chapter 5 verse 8. It says there, Be also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And also in Romans, Romans chapter 13 is like Bible drill. 
Romans chapter 13, verse 11. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Of course, we go to the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And lastly, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. The Word of God says, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that this, it is the last time. Now all of these verses that we have read suggest that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is imminent. He may come at any moment, at any time. So for example... God will arrive even after this service. Oh, I don't know, but no one knows when he will come. So clearly, we can see that we are on the last days. But I will give you some couple of verses that even in the time of the apostles, they view their their time as the last days. Not only this time, but even from the time of the apostles, they say that this is the last days. Now, I will give you some couple of verses as, um, also with regards to that. Acts chapter 2, this is, um, Acts chapter 2 talks about the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And it came to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now Peter is saying here that he quote the passage from the book of Joel and says that in the last days, now he viewed Pentecost as the last days days. Now also the author of Hebrews, we will go there from Hebrews chapter, in Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, verse 2, hath in this last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now in the time of, I believe this is the, the, uh, the uh, epistle of the Apostle Paul to the Hebrews, and he also mentioned that in their time, in that time when he wrote this book, he said, 
We are in the last days. We are in the last days. Now, 1 Peter chapter 1. We will go there. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Because I'm making a point with regards to the last days. Verse 20, who verily was for ordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in this last times for you. And now Peter also in his time, and I believe that it's around, you know, 100 years, um, the first church was, was, was organized from the time of Pentecost. Now Peter says here that we are, that they are on the last days. John also said that in 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, verse 18, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. We have read that um, actually, little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, and even now there are many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time time. So let me suggest, why last days? Why? Because after Jesus Christ ascended in heaven, he can come at any moment, at any time. So that's why the apostles viewed, even from their time, even unto this day, that we are actually living in the last days. Because Jesus will come at any moment, at any time. It is imminent. No one can stop it. Okay, there's no one in this earth can stop it. Jesus will come at any moment, at any time. The Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye. So you see, if you try to think of these verses. Now even, even in the time of the apostles, it, until this day, 2,000, more than 2,000 years, I believe, has been passed. They're waiting and they're anticipating the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, what, what Satan tries to do in our minds is that he instills it in our minds that Jesus will come so far away. That's, uh, that's something that Satan can do. Because he cannot take us actually from the hands of God. Because that's the promise of God. And I will give to them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man can pluck them out of my hand, of my Father's hand. That's, that's the great assurance that we have if we have salvation in Jesus Christ. But of course, Satan can stop you from being you know, fruitful in serving God. And what it is, he will instill you. Jesus Christ will not come today. Jesus Christ will not come at any moment. He will come so far away that you will be not effective in the work that he has entrusted in you. If you would ask what work should be done here at Grace Baptist Church, there's so much. There's so much, actually. And if you are willing to serve, God can use you and be fruitful 
in the ministry that God has entrusted, especially in this church. Actually, when we started to think that Jesus will not come very soon, my friend, I will tell you that probably it will be a sign that Jesus will return soon. Now, I will give you, in fact, Jesus Christ said that in Matthew chapter 24, and also you can see it in Luke 12, 40. Now, I will go there in Matthew chapter 24, verse 44. Matthew 24, verse 44. Therefore, be also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. The Son of Man cometh. Luke 12, 40 says, Therefore be also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. So you see, when we started to think that Christ will, you know, when people, when even the, the people of God think that Jesus Christ will not come so soon, my friend, in context today here that we have read in Matthew chapter 24, in Luke chapter 12, you know the story there? It's like uh, he, he mentioned actually three events in the Old Testament. In the days of Noah, when people just doing, what is it? Just a normal, normal lifestyle. You know, they, they eat, they drink, they party, and they don't ever think, they don't think that the Son of Man will come. At the same as the, the days of, the days of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, what they are doing is, you know, normal living. But then they have realized that it is a judgment day, that the day will come, that it is the judgment day. Now I will tell you that when that day comes, there's no turning back. There's no second chance. For those who are not yet saved, there's no chance anymore. Probably God is extending his grace because he is the God of mercy. He wants everyone to everyone to get saved. Now with that, since Jesus' return is imminent, and that is it could occur at any moment, we should live a life that God wants us to be in the last days, in these last days. How could we live a life that God wants us to be? Number one, we should live a life of soberness. We should live a life of soberness. Now let, let us go back into the passage that we have read. But the end of all things is at hand. He says there, be ye therefore sober. Sober. To be sober is to be of sound mind. To be in one right mind. Now, let me illustrate this with Luke chapter 8. 
Luke chapter 8, I'll be reading in verse 35. Luke chapter 8, verse 35. Then they, the people, went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Now, we know the story here that there is a man, a um, certain man who was possessed with a lot of demons, and the demons' uh, called, um, name was Legion because they are many. You know the story, right? You have read this, that um, because they are afraid of Jesus Christ, they went to the swine, and the swine ran to the sea, and they were drowned. And this man, when he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, had a sound mind. He is now on his right mind. Now we need to realize that having a sound mind is not just one time, one time scenario in our life. I believe when, we, when, Jesus, when Jesus saved us, God gave us a new mind, right? Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, we have this new life that God has given to us, but not just the new life, it is the new desire, new mind, Okay, we pursue now the things of God. We now desire the things of God. But of course, as what I've said, Satan, the world, and the flesh will try to drag us back to our old nature. And that's why in Romans 12, chapter 1, verse, verses 1 and 2, the idea there is not just a one-time presentation or dedication of our life to God, but it is also a constant thing that would happen into our life. It's always, you know, dedicate yourself always to God. Always transform your mind from the things of God. We, so that we will live a submissive life in, in God. But we can only do that if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Let me suggest this, friends. If our minds are so immersed with the truth that Jesus Christ will come again at any moment and that we will stand and give an account to what we have done for his name, probably we will be more serious on the things of God than the things of this world. I believe that people, Christians nowadays, trying to build their own kingdom. I'm not saying all, but there are Christians trying to build their own kingdom here. But they didn't realize that even how big, how big your house are, even how many how, how lots of money you have, even how, how great your car is, and even your life here on earth would be. Remember this, that your job, your house, your car, your money will all be gone. 
and we will all stand in the front of Jesus Christ having this things that we have done when we lived here on earth. So we should live a life of soberness. Let's be serious to the things of God rather than the things of this world. And number two, we should live a life of watchfulness. It says there in our text, be therefore sober and watch. Watch. Being watchful gives us an idea of having the alertness of a guard at night. Okay, so most of the time, um, there are lots of establishment right now don't need a security guard because we have now, so we are now in a high-tech community, okay, culture that we have this, you know, super high-tech cameras that you can even, they have even facial recognition. So you cannot go away uh, with that security. So security company is now like going down, but probably here, not here, uh, probably here in the first world country, but still in the third world country, security guards are really uh, in demand in those countries. But of course, uh, even in the time of, you know, in the ancient times when they have wars, many battles actually won during the night. Why? Because most of the time, the watchmen at night fall asleep. They're not always ready. They're you know, being lazy during the, during the night. Now, it's, it's the picture of that. It suggests, it also suggests readiness. Readiness. Now, when you go to the histories of wars, you know, armies of the empires go, you know, they can climb up through this thick and high wall because the watchmen sleepeth, sleep, and that's the reason why there are lots of wars that have been won during the night, and that's a picture of us as well in our spiritual life. If we don't uh, be ready to ourselves, if we don't watch, we may be, you know, we may be caught up in this situation when God will come, come again and then, wait, wait, I don't, you know, I don't settle my life yet. But God, Jesus Christ always said to us, be ready always because my coming, Jesus Christ will come at any moment, at any time. Now, let me illustrate to you with that in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, if you have read a parable, that's really a famous parable, Matthew chapter 25. I'll just be reading one verse. I'm not reading the whole parable. Matthew 25, 
um, verse 13. Verse 13. Watch, therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Okay, wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now, this story is about the ten virgins, right? You know the story. I will not, you know, uh, uh, put into detail with that because there's five wise virgins, uh, women, and five foolish, okay? And we all know the story that there's five foolish women because they did not ready and they did not watch. God did not accept them. The bridegroom did not accept them. And that's why Jesus Christ is always telling to his, to his own that we should always be ready. We should always be ready. We should be watchful at his coming. Not only that, we should be watchful also against sin and temptation. Now remember when Jesus Christ um, prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, he said to his disciples, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed, indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Flesh is weak. And we all know what happened because they did not watch and pray. What happened is that Peter slashed one of the ear of uh, of the guards. And not only that, when Jesus Christ already arrested, Peter denied Jesus Christ three times. And not only that, seven of them... Okay, most of the disciples dispersed and went back to their to fishing. It is sad, but we all know that when they now understand who Jesus Christ is, they went back and and died for Jesus Christ. They were martyrs. They have second chance. But let me tell you this. By the time when Jesus Christ will come in the second coming, there would be no second chance. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. So we must realize that Satan is always this. We should always realize that Satan is always smarter and stronger than any one of us here. That's why the word of God encourages us in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27, neither give place to the devil. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Because if we do not watch, Satan will always grab that small opportunity in our lives. We should live our life of soberness. We should live a life of watchfulness. Number three, we should live a life of prayerfulness. That is also still in verse 7. 
Watch unto prayer. Unto prayer. It is common in the Bible, actually, when you read passages about prayer, watchfulness, being watchful and prayerful, prayerfulness is always go together. They always go together. Because the only way that we can remain faithful in our watchfulness or we can only be faithful in, in be, being ready in Jesus Christ if we devote ourselves in prayer. If we have this constant communication, constant dependence on God through prayer, we will be faithful as we anticipate the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now in prayer, we allow ourselves to be dependent on God and let Him teach and guide us and strengthen us to obey Him always, always. John 14, 14 says, If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. I will do it. Luke 18, 1, And He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Not to faint. That's the reason, probably uh, one of the reasons that many Christians always faint and see this problem bigger than their, their God because of the lack of amount of prayer. Lack of amount of prayer. Not only we allow ourselves to be dependent on God when we pray, but also actually we are, we hastening the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We hasten the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you this evening, are you longing to see Christ? Right? Do you long? Or you just say, oh, just, I'm not done yet with, our, with my life here. But I hope in each and every one of us, we long to see Jesus Christ face to face. We long to see him. We were commanded by Jesus Christ to pray for his return, actually. When he said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 10, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. In earth as it is in heaven. Now, what do you think the reason why the will of God is not the same as in the will of heaven? What do you think? Because people, when when we when we chose to rebel against God, when humanity fall into sin. We look unto our will always. And that's why when we pray that the will of God will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And if we pray that thy kingdom come, we hasten the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that exciting? When a lot of people come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, when there's lots of missionaries that we have supported, even in North America, even in throughout the world, it hastens when we pray for our missionaries, when we pray for, for, for the salvation of each and every one, it hastens the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Even in the last, the last prayer says, Revelation chapter 20, 22, verse 20, He that testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Uh, amen. And John said, Even so come, Lord Jesus. Even so come, Lord Jesus. So not only we should live a life of soberness, we should, we should live a life of watchfulness, we should live a life of prayerfulness, but also we should live a life of charitableness. Charitableness, it means a life of love, a love that God has given to us. And what is that agape kind of love? How many, now let me ask you, how many of you um, have double locks on your door? Double locked. Uh, our, our house has a double locked, right? Uh, why do you think we have that? Of course, there, were, there are people, crazy people, that will try to get into our house. Why do you think? Because there's a lot of people that don't practice the love that God, that comes from God. They will be, you know, they're, they're trying to think on their own. And we, as Christians, have this love that God has given into us, right? We do have the love of God. And it's our privilege to manifest it to others, most especially when we look unto people as one who have souls. Who have souls. Uh, actually, there's, I think there's one preacher that says if we try to look to people that they have souls, our, our mindset will be changed. We're not looking at them as unlovable people, but we are looking at them as lost souls that need Christ as their Lord and Savior. But you see, in verse 8, he says, it says there, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Why is it that he calls it above all things? Above all things. Because in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 40, one of the leaders of that time in Jesus' time, it says, he says, what is the greatest, what is the first and greatest commandment? Okay, God, Jesus Christ said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourselves. And then through this commandments, these two commandments hanged all the law. And the prophets, even Mark says, even Mark told it as well. In Luke also, it's, he says that. That's why, the reason why it, he's, it says there, above all things, because we have this, love is the greatest commandment. Love is the greatest commandment. Not only that, love is the greatest virtue. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 
1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And now, abideth faith, hope, charity. This three, but the greatest of this is charity. Now, this is not just the greatest command, but this is also the greatest virtue that we can ever have. We don't need faith when Jesus Christ will come again because we will see him face to face. There's no need of faith anymore. Because what is faith in Hebrews? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. We will no longer need hope because all of those things that we hope that Jesus Christ said in his word will all will be realized. There's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more night. All of the sufferings that we have will be all gone when Jesus Christ will come again. We don't need hope. But of course, the one that will last for eternity is our love for him, our love for Jesus Christ. And that's why above all these things, he said, the greatest is charity. This is the greatest charity. Not only that, it's also the greatest testimony that we can have. John 13. John 13. John 13, verse 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have loved one another. Now this is the greatest testimony that we can have. People will know that you are the disciples of God if ye love one another. But if people will see that you are, you know, you are gossiping, you are uh, quarreling with each other, say, how can I... They see the love of Christ there because you, you yourselves are you know, quarreling with each other. So this, this is the greatest testimony that we can have. But not also that, this is the greatest motivation that we uh, can have. Greatest motivation. Love is the greatest motivation. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. This is the one that motivates us from serving, from, from, doing, uh, from serving God. Okay? Not only that, this is our greatest confirmation. It's 1 John Chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. 
So you see, the reason why it is above all things, because this is the greatest commandment, uh, love is the greatest commandment, love is the greatest virtue that we can have, love is the greatest testimony, love is the greatest motivation, and love is the greatest confirmation that we could, um, we could see in the scripture. And what kind of love it is? It says there in verse 8, in our text, it is a fervent kind of love, fervent and above all things, have fervent charity. It gives us an idea of a stretch out kind of love. Stretch out kind of love. Not only it is just, it is a fervent kind of love, but it is also a forgiving kind of love. Now, Peter quote Proverbs chapter 10 verse 12. For love cover the multitude of sin. You know how you can overcome that anger? You know how you can overcome the bitterness that you have to your fellow Christian? You know how can you overcome the things that you don't want to see to your fellow Christian? Because honestly, there will come a time that we are unlovable, right? There will come a time. But of course, how we can overcome that? Through love through the love that God has shown unto us, especially when that love, for love covers the multitude of sin, it was actually manifested 2,000 years ago in the cross of Calvary. Even the worst sinner, God can still love that person. But not only it is a fervent, it is a forgiving, but also a caring. Now, Peter goes to more practical way, and he says there in verse 9, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Grudging. It's plain and simple there. Care for one another without grudging. My friend, if your heart is full of bitterness, if full of anger, if it is full of, full of wrath, it's full of, if your heart is void of forgiveness, you must get right with God because God is love. You can go past beyond all of this emotion if we have the love of Christ. If you look at the cross and it doesn't teach you forgiveness, then what's the point of saying that you are born again? If you look into the cross and it doesn't teach you forgiveness, then what's the point of being saved? But lastly, we should live a life of kindness. We should live a life of kindness. In verse 10 and 11, it says there, As every man hath received a gift, even so minister at the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praised and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now in context, he is talking about service. Service. In order for you to to give this kind of uh, kindness is through service. 
So he suggests this, that we serve one another till the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We should not stop doing good works. We should not stop doing good toward others. Towards others. We should not... Uh, we should minister the same one to another as a good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Being a steward gives us the idea that we are accountable of what God has given to us. And that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, I believe that, G that Pastor White already mentioned that we, every one of us have gifts. No matter what you say, because the Bible is saying... Every one of us, at least we have one gift. And if you're not using that, actually the Bible says you are not a good steward of the manifold grace that God has given into you. So we should know what that kind of gift that God has given to me and use that for others. Not for yourself, but the use for others. Now he divide the spiritual gifts in two categories, and that is, there are lots of gifts. You can go to Romans, you can go to Corinthians. There are lots of gifts there, but it's all, there's two categories, and that is the speaking gifts and that's the serving gifts. And verse 10, uh, verse 11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. It means whether it be preaching, teaching, you know, prayer, no prayer. Make sure that it is the word of God. If you are teaching, if you are preaching, make sure that it is the word of God. Now, because in Timothy, Paul is actually saying that there would come a time in the last days that men should be, will be lovers of themselves. And they would love this, you know, words that itching ears. They will not, they will not, uh, they will hate any, they will hate the sound doctrine. That's why there's a lot of, you know, groups right now that, you know, how to feel good. You know, what I want to hear. They don't want the sound doctrine of the word of God. Now, in the last day, he says, there would come a time that it will be scarce. There is a scarcity of, of that. But make sure, all of us here, that we will speak. We will use the gifts of God. And we will speak as of the oracles of God. And not only that, serving gifts. If any man minister, let him do it in, as of the ability which God giveth. What should our service look like? Our service should be for the good of others and for the glory of God. It's always the gift. It's not for you. It's not for me. It's always for the good of others and for the glory of God. And you can see that in verse 10 and verse 11. Even in simplicity of speaking or even in the simplicity of service, do all for the glory of God. And that is the verse 11 there. So in conclusion, the question for us if Jesus will come at this moment, are you sure or are we sure that we are ready? If we make it personal, am I sure that I am ready to face the judge? If don't, to those who are not yet saved, don't delay. 
don't delay. Because the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, Now, now is the day of salvation. Why? Because as what we have, what we have learned, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is at any moment, at any time. So the word of God is actually telling to us, if you're not saved, now is the time of salvation. From Genesis chapter 3, in the chapter where Adam and Eve sinned against God, but in the same chapter, God promised a Messiah. God did not delay. He promised in the same chapter a Messiah. Since then, people in the Old Testament actually lived by faith, looking forward for the coming of the Messiah. And it was realized in the person of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. He died in Calvary for our sins. He was buried, and on the third day, he rose again. Then he is now interceding to the Father for you and for me. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord, I'm not, I'm just, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So do not delay. For us Christians, if we do not live a life that God wants us to be, now is the time also to commit ourselves to Him. We should live a life of soberness. We should be serious at His coming. We should live a life of watchfulness. We should be ready for His coming. We should live a life of prayerfulness. We should long for His coming. We should live a life of charitableness. We should love others till He comes. And we should live a life of kindness. We should serve others until he comes. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the things that we have heard. Lord, I pray that you would instill it into our hearts, in our minds. Lord, we are nothing, actually. We are helpless. And apart from you, we can do nothing. So help us, Lord, to live a life that you want us to be. Lord, we see that there's a lot of things that's going on in our community, in our nation, and all around the world. But Lord, help us to remind ourselves that Jesus Christ will come at any moment, at any time. So Lord, help us to live the life that you have given to us to the fullness and that we would serve you till Jesus Christ will return. Help us, Lord, to win more souls for you. Help us, Lord, to commit our lives to be more pleasing to you. And we commit to you all these things in Christ's name. Amen.